Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is January 3rd, 2022, and here with me to say thanks a million is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Thanks, Jen. Or thanks 100,000. I set you up there. Thank you. I do appreciate (laughs) it because we are celebrating on the Big Sky Astrology podcast 100,000 downloads since we began two years ago. That's so great. It feels kind of good. It does. It's like you like us. You really like us. For us just being such a small podcast and now we're only publishing every other week, it does feel nice, I have to say. We feel the love. We feel the validation. Because otherwise, we're speaking into a void. Yeah. So it is lovely to see those numbers. And we want to thank you all for continuing to listen and download. We are really thrilled with your support. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for all the love. And we want to say woohoo-hoo. Yeah, we do. (laughs) What's our goal going to be for the new year, Jen? Good question, because we've had two years. Now our 100,000th download. Yeah. Well, maybe to be that thing of eventually meeting in person, Jen, maybe that's what we're going to be celebrating in the new year. Who knows? I think that would be lovely. We shall see. You might have to come to me, though. We'll see. Yes, we'll see. We'll see. I know that's all part of your diabolical master plan. (laughs) To get you to come to Minneapolis. Absolutely, it is. Well, this is our first episode that is fully in the year 2022. So once again, Happy New Year to one and all. And we hope that you have great plans for the year ahead and wonderful things that you are going to be doing. Totally. I also wanted to mention to people now that I think about it, that I'm doing a full day event on Saturday, January 15th for the NCGR chapter in Florida, Florida Atlantic. And that's going to be all about the astrology of 2022. So there'll be a lecture that'll kind of give an overview. And then the workshop, we're going to go into people's individual charts and talk about how the events of the coming year are going to be impacting people personally with their own charts. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we will link to that in our show notes, or you can just Google NCGR Florida and you should find their website and the information about the event. So I hope that we will see some of you there. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. We'll certainly be talking about that on the podcast as we go along. Yes. We will be covering them gradually throughout the year here on the podcast as well, of course. Now, my friend, what do we have coming up this week? We begin on Monday the 3rd. Jupiter is squaring the lunar nodes at 3.39 a.m. Pacific time. Jupiter is at one degree and two minutes of Pisces, squaring the nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius. Tell us about this, April. Well, this is the last really major aspect that we will have to the lunar nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius because they're going to be moving, of course, into Taurus and Scorpio on the 18th, which we will talk to you about in our next episode. When a planet makes a square to the nodal axis, it's basically propelling us, I think, from the comfort and security and complacency of the South Node toward the evolution and the growth that's represented by the North Node. So this is, again, a a little bit of a final exam with these nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius. And Jupiter says, 
it's important to look at the big picture, to consider all points of view, even though in our own Jupiters, we tend to get a little entrenched in our own beliefs sometimes. But whatever the planet is, says this is the force that comes forward and makes you decide if you're going to just lay back in the south node or, or move forward to the north node. And with Jupiter, it's like it might require some risk. It might require that you take some chance, some leap of faith that you've been thinking about since Jupiter was initially in Pisces last spring, I think it was, or early summer. You know, Jupiter in Pisces is very strong and says, even if you're not exactly sure what's going to happen, if you make this big leap of faith, it's still well worth doing it. It could really help catalyze your growth from that entrenched south node in Sagittarius, which is, I think I know everything there is to know, and getting out of that position instead, moving towards the more curious, open-minded, learning quality of the north node in Gemini. This makes me think of that sign in the Ted Lasso, Jen. Ted Lasso. Yeah, when he put up the believe sign in the oh, locker room. I love Ted Lasso. I do too. And Jupiter is definitely a sign of belief. It's not like faith, exactly. That's more of a Neptune thing. Faith says, yeah, I sort of have the feeling that it's all going to work out. Jupiter says, based on everything I know, maybe because of it or in contradiction to what I know, I'm going to believe that this is how it's going to work out. So there is a real sense of mission there and a real sense of creed to say, I believe in a thing. So maybe this staking your claim to something that you believe and not being unshakable about it, because that goes against the mission of the North Node in Gemini, but rather to say, based on what I believe with all the information I have, I am going to make some kind of move, some kind of leap, embark on some kind of journey. And that catalyzes our growth during this time. So write a little believe sign and stick it on the wall by your desk <laughs> so you can be reminded. Thank you for bringing up Ted Lasso in the first episode of the new year. I appreciate that. Ted is a man for all seasons. Absolutely. And this whole conversation is actually making me think about I have a website now that I wanted to mention for folks. It's jenbrown.com, and brown is spelled B-R-A-U-N. Talking about this Jupiter squaring the nodes is making me think of a story that I told on my blog, and so I'll link that in the show notes if folks are interested. Very good. All right. What do we have coming up next, pal? We have Venus sextile Neptune on January 5th at 8.03 a.m. Pacific at 20 degrees 45 minutes, Venus in Capricorn, Neptune in Pisces, of course. This is the second of three sextiles that Venus is making to Neptune because of her retrograde motion. The first one was November 30th. The second one is, as I said, January 5th. And the third one will be at the end of February, February 24th. Tell us more. Sextiles, as we've said before, and in fact, we have a whole episode for newcomers that you can go back and listen to. Let's talk about sextiles, I think it was. Episode 16, I want to say. Very good. Very good. So we talked a lot about the quality of the sextile. And while it is a major aspect, it's one that's often overlooked. And I'm often guilty now that we try to streamline our show sheet a little bit because we're covering two weeks and a half an hour, I'll often take out the sextiles 
And initially I had taken this one out and Jen said, no, maybe we should put it in because we have it three times. So it's not just a fleeting sex style. The reason I'll tend to overlook them a little bit is because sex styles are more of the nature of an opportunity. A trine is something that just kind of falls in your lap. A square is something you have to work very hard for. An opposition is something you're kind of experiencing through watching other people do it or getting feedback from people. But a sex style is strictly optional. And as my teacher used to say, you can get the benefits of a trine if you do the work of a square with a sex style. Sex styles always represent opportunities that you can take or not take. If you don't take the opportunity, it's fine. Nothing is particularly bad, but you're missing out on a possibility. They can also be aspects that talk about a new influence or contact coming into your life. You might meet an important person or meet somebody who puts you in contact with someone else who ends up being helpful or influential in some way in your life. Now, this is especially true because we're talking about Venus, which is a social planet and a connecting relationship planet. So as Venus makes the sextile to Neptune, it can be people who come into your path or return to your life who you knew before because Venus is retrograde. And maybe you have a little unfinished business there that's of the nature of Neptune, some disappointment, maybe some sadness, or maybe it's a creative or artistic relationship you have with that person. Maybe there was some you know, bit of artistic work you left undone, and now you come together to, to do some more of it. It's opportunities. And look for the people that are showing up in your life around this time of January, you know, say the 4th through the 6th, and especially look back to around the end of November and think, yeah, was there somebody then that showed up in your email box or friended you on social media and you hadn't talked to them in a while or something? This is a little more consequential than the usual Venus, sex, health, and Neptune. It says, here is an opportunity to possibly go back, revisit, and redo a few things that are of the nature of Venus, so relationship, maybe financial decisions, maybe artistic things, and also of the nature of Neptune. A healing kind of quality, often with that, or resolving some disillusionment or that sort of thing. I like that Neptune is on the Sabian symbol of relay race. (laughs) And with Venus sextiling Neptune three times, I do like that concept of this planet going back and forth three times, kind of like a relay race, passing something to Neptune back and forth, perhaps. And especially as Mercury is getting ready to turn retrograde as Venus now is, we'll talk about that later in the episode. There's, yeah, very much that return to the past and passing off information or something from one person to the next. So, And next week, the sun will make the same aspect to Neptune. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. What's up next, Bill? We have a conjunction from the sun to Venus on January 8th at 4.47 p.m. Pacific time, 18 degrees and 43 minutes of Capricorn. This is an inferior conjunction for Venus. It is between the Earth and the Sun, and it's moving really rapidly to the morning sky. Just, you know, under a week from this conjunction, it will look very low in the east, the kind of southeast, just before sunrise, so you can see her as the beautiful morning star. So when planets are in a close conjunction with the sun, if they're very close within, I don't remember the number of minutes of arc, it's 20 to 30 maybe, 
they're considered Kazemi and extremely strong. So it'd be a great time for Venus things where you can really, you have a lot of charisma, you can really connect with people in a very powerful way. When it's a little outside that exact Kazemi state and it's close to the sun, it's thought to weaken the planet a bit just because you can't see it. It's invisible because of the strength of the sun. So with Venus, and Venus is, of course, retrograde and lots of things going on that we're saying, this is sort of an important time frame for Venus, but it says we may not see everything that we have and that we possess. I like the Sabian symbol for this degree, a child of about five with a huge shopping bag. And that reiterates to me that theme of we have more than we think we have, and we also have a bag here to collect more. So with the sun together in Venus, it's a thing of also, I think, maybe loving ourselves a little bit more, giving ourselves a little bit of grace and kindness and affection. Probably not a bad idea. What do you think about the sun with Venus? I also think it's about loving ourselves more and asking ourselves, what are we worth? It's an inside journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's not an external one. Absolutely. And that's what in relationships, it's apt to be a really interesting time, you know, as Venus is retrograde and connecting with Pluto several times and all of that. Developments in our relationships can be of the nature that suddenly we're seeing the reality of some relationships in a new way. There is a point in even the closest of relationships where we have to follow our own path. Sometimes our partner can't go along with us. And it doesn't mean the relationship has to end, but it says a relationship is made up of two individuals. And then there's like this third entity that is the relationship. So this seems to be a time already with the, you know, the Venus retrograde and now here with the sun, with Venus, of what is your path, your individual path? What do you need within your relationship to honor who you are personally? And then that only strengthens a relationship if both people are coming from a place of self-esteem and self-worth and self-trust. Absolutely. What's next? Jen? Yes? What time is it? Do tell me. It's time for Moon Watch. Moon Watch. <laughs> Play it! <laughs> <laughs> This is turning into a Broadway musical. Oh boy. This has gone beyond an introduction to the Moonwitch. You know, had you told me at the beginning of this podcast, hey, by the way, we'll be singing every week, I'm not sure what I would have said. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd have said, no, I don't think that's going to happen. But here we are, friends. It's Moonwatch. And this week we have an Aries first quarter moon on January 9th at 10, 11 a.m. Pacific time at 19 degrees and 27 minutes of Aries and Capricorn. The moon is making a square to Sun and Venus and Pluto. Poor little moon. We would think that she's outmatched, but she's an Aries. And Aries is never outmatched, not even by Capricorn. You know, my neighbor has this gorgeous little cat, Max, who Jen knows, yes, uh -huh. has seen pictures of Max. He is so delightful. And Max actually is a sun sign Aries with a Capricorn moon hmm. and a lot of Capricorn planets in his chart, as we happen to know when he was born. And boy, what a tough little character he is. 
He's indomitable. Because of the Aries and the Capricorn. Yes, it's a, mm-hmm. actually a surprisingly good combination. And he's sweet as anything. But Aries and Capricorn are both not to be trifled with. They're going to set their course and they're going to go after it. Aries is a little more impatient about it. And at a first quarter moon, which is also of the nature of initiating action, let's get moving. Whatever it was that we started at the new moon now is ready to get a little action behind it. So the Aries first quarter says, you don't have to have it all mapped out. You don't have to have the whole plan in action. Just do something. Take that first step. And I always think of the Aries moon as the Nike moon. Just do it. The people that I've known with the Aries moon have been some of the most motivational people that I've known. Back when I was doing music, I had a friend with an Aries moon that was pushing me to get out there, make that demo, you know, do that gig. And in astrology, I've known some Aries moon friends too that are similarly really motivational. So I think this is a motivational first quarter moon. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that things will go that easily. Mars, which is the ruler of this moon in Aries, is square Neptune. It's getting, you know, close to an exact square that happens the following week. So there can be a little naivete here. There can be a little bit of lack of seeing the full clear picture of what we're going for. So know that the imperative is to do something to get moving. Don't do things you can't undo, I would say, with Mars square Neptune in this one. This is the first phase in a lunar phase family that began with the April 11th, 2021 new moon at 22 of Aries. So we always suggest you go back to think about what your intentions were at that time. Look at the house of your chart that has Aries in it, especially the middle degrees of Aries, and think about what you might have been up to at that time and what you can do now. Lots of squares in this chart. Very dynamic. I mean, the Saturn Uranus is still just a couple of degrees away. Mm-hmm. Lots of friction. No planets on the other side of the chart. And April, I think you saw that there was some term for that. Isn't that right? My brilliant colleague, Lene Van Horn, you can find her at astrologeratlarge.com is her website. And we were co-presenting about the astrology of 2022. And she was talking about this phenomenon. And they talk about it in Vedic astrology a lot. It's called Kal Sarpa Yoga. And it's when all the planets are sort of confined by the lunar nodes between the North Node and the South Node. That's all I know about it. We'll find a good article about it and link to it in the show notes. But I was excited to hear her talk about it because you and I have been noting that, Mm -hmm. that everything in this part of the year is going to be bunched together in one half of the chart and that there's actually a term for that and that the definition comes from the nodes, from the lunar nodes. That means everything is going to fall in your chart between Sagittarius and Gemini. The exception to that is going to be anytime the moon is traveling through those other signs on the other side. And then I think we have that condition until it might be when Mars enters Gemini this spring. Can't remember for sure, but that's how people can look that up. But you're right. There's a lot of friction in this chart. And I prefer to think of it as motivational because I think it can be. And the Capricorn planets, that triumvirate of the sun, Venus, Pluto, is not without roadblocks as we try to move forward to do what we want to do. But there's a lot of energy that comes from pushing and pushing and pushing past those blockages. 
because they're almost always from inside us, how we're holding ourselves back. It is about an internal process. Although what I've heard about planets being all on one half of the chart is that then you're sort of seeking that balance from outside of yourself. You're mm -hmm. seeking relationships and other things that might bring some more balance into your life. That's so true. And I've noticed that, you know, for years reading charts for people who have a stellium, just a whole lot of energy and just a couple of houses or signs of the chart. And when you talk to them, you would think everything was in the opposite sign, in the opposite house, because they're so drawn to that vacuum that exists when you have so much concentrated in a small little part of the chart. Something in us tries to seek, as you say, the balance and reaches out for experiences and other people and so forth that represent that opposing sign or house or viewpoint. So that's what we're all coping with here in the first part of 2022 for the most part. Happy New Year, friends. April here. You know, on the podcast, we cover the major astrological influences that affect all of us. But what does the year ahead hold in store for you personally? Find out by booking a personal astrology reading with me. We'll meet by Zoom or phone to take a close look at all the major activity affecting you in the year ahead. 60 and 90 minute sessions are available and include a recording and all the charts that are used in this session. And since my rates are changing on February 1st, don't miss this chance to lock in the current rate. Just go to BigSkyAstrology.com and click on Personal Readings on the menu bar. Again, BigSkyAstrology.com is the place and click on Personal Readings. I'm looking forward to working with you in 2022. Power out! Next, we are going to dive into week two. Week two begins January 10th, and we have the sun sextiling Neptune on the 10th at 7.28 p.m. Pacific. The sun is at 20 degrees, 52 minutes of Capricorn. Of course, Neptune's over there in Pisces, as we've been saying, and the sun is on that same Sabian symbol, a relay race. Mm -hmm. April, take it away. Well, we're talking about creative possibilities and planning because, again, it's a sextile, and sextile is an opportunity or a contact or a new idea. The sun is very creative in nature, and Neptune also has that artistic sensibility. I would say that while the sun coming together with Neptune is often a little problematic because Neptune tends to diminish the sun's energy a little bit. I think there's always an opportunity here with the sextile to energize the sun a little bit so that we can sort of use that Neptune quality for good, for its empathetic side, especially for its sensitive and artistic side. So if there's anything creative that you do or that you want to do more of in 2022, here's an opportunity. Again, it's a sextile. It goes pretty quickly. It's just a couple of days, but think about how you can be maybe going back to old projects that you used to do or things that you used to enjoy working on that were a little more creative or recreational in nature and how you can invite that back into your life a little bit for the coming year. Yeah, definitely. Well, and Neptune is all over the place this week because we have Mars making the exact square to Neptune. On January 11th at 1.43 p.m., 20 degrees and 53 minutes of Sagittarius and Pisces, respectively. 
And Mars will be going out of bounds the next day, January 12th through February 10th. We talked about this quite a lot on our solstice episode. And if you want to get on the list to get a copy of that, you just go to bigskyastropod.com, donate five bucks. We'll send this to you toot sweet. It's over 50 minutes long, the amount of material on it. Is it ever? It is the longest thing we've ever recorded. (laughs) So you'll get that. It kind of has a three-month look ahead at what's coming up. So it would still be worth your while to get that if you're interested. It would. It might take you three months to listen to it. (laughs) It, It's a nice, long episode. So enjoy that. So we did talk about out-of-bounds planets on that episode, and we've mentioned them in passing here in our regular episodes. It just means the planet is a little acting a little bit out of character, a little bit Uranian in nature. But I think what it's doing for Mars, while Mars will be out of bounds, is it's just even a little more reckless and wild than usual. It's like if you bring together the symbolism of, say, Mars with Uranus, and you think it's a little more accident-prone sometimes. It is prone to act in haste and repent in leisure. Realize that that is what's bubbling along under the surface Take it a little bit cautiously if your Mars will let you. A planet that is square Neptune is not always clear about what it's doing. As I said before, be careful about doing things that you can't undo. And my metaphor for Mars with Neptune is driving in a fog. You're behind the wheel, you're intent on getting somewhere, but you have to slow down if it's foggy. (laughs) And Neptune's a little foggy. So don't be afraid to pull off to the side of the road. Take time, regroup, wait for the fog to lift a little bit before you put your foot back on the accelerator. Let me just throw in, this is the closing square from a conjunction that began June 13th, 2020. We talked about that in episode 29, Neptune washing over all and the U.S. Pluto return. And that would be such a great episode to revisit, especially as the U.S. is coming up to its Pluto return in February. Exactly. I will point out too that Along with the Pluto return, the U.S. is having its Neptune opposition as well this year. So this is kind of related to that as well, and especially our relationship to marginalized populations in our country, which are also ruled by Neptune, according to some. So yeah, we encourage you, go back and listen to that episode. There was a lot going on then that I think is good food for thought now with Mars Square Neptune. What's next, pal? Mercury's turning retrograde on January 14th at 3.41 a.m. Pacific, 10 degrees, 20 minutes of Aquarius. This represents a shift from Mercury turning retrograde in air signs to backtracking into Earth. Fill us in on this, April. Oh, Mercury retrograde. I have no problem with Mercury retrograde whatsoever. This will be retrograde through February 3rd. Venus, of course, is still retrograde through January 29th. So there's a lot of retrograde stuff going on, a particularly vexing retrograde, I should think, for electronics, because it's in Aquarius, it's squaring Uranus, generally speaking, miscommunications among groups of people, between friends, all of these Aquarian things. So the usual things apply with retrogrades, which is double check everything, repeat yourself, follow up, and try to not overbook yourself. This is something that I did during my world domination planning that I do between Christmas and New Year's is to note all of the Mercury retrograde periods in the year. 
so that I try to leave a little space in my life if I possibly can to be off schedule a little bit, to not be trying so hard to meet deadlines and to bring things to completion because that's not the right work really for Mercury retrograde. It can be good for finishing up things from the past, but it's more inward directed, less outward directed. So if we try to do a lot of outward facing things that are related to Mercury, signing contracts, buying a car, buying a new computer, any of that sort of stuff. It's just we're working against the stars and not with them. It's better to try to do that stuff leading up. Now, that said, Mercury is a trickster, and I am fully confident that as Mercury is retrograde, something in my life that I need vitally will decide to poop out on me, (laughs) and I'll have to replace it. Hopefully, there will be no pooping out. (laughs) Hopefully not. And Mercury will laugh, and he will laugh, uh, because he loves to do that sort of thing. So, you know, hopefully my planning has held me in pretty good stead, and getting redundancies into place, moving up to that. But really, the best thing you can do for yourself is try to not overbook and overschedule and just follow up. And with all this Neptune around, don't jump to conclusions that are negative. If you've sent someone an email and they didn't respond, consider what might have gone wrong. They might have never gotten your email. They might have replied, you might not have gotten their email. Don't jump to conclusions that could just be simple misunderstandings. Off my soapbox now. That's good stuff. And folks can go back to episode 12, Mercury Retrograde. Where Where are my my pants? pants? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we love it so much. Best title ever. You have to listen to the very end for the payoff. But yeah, it's so good. (laughs) All right. What's last? Finally, the sun will make a conjunction to Pluto on January 16th at 6.50 a.m at 26 degrees and 26 minutes of Capricorn. Only happens once a year. The sun has one year trip around the zodiac, and it's come here to Pluto. And the two are not naturally simpatico. They have their issues. The sun is all about the life force and the uniqueness of the individual and and the supremacy of the individual. Pluto is about all of the other things. It's like you individually don't count for a whole lot where Pluto is concerned. And all of us have had an experience in our lives of encountering a negative Pluto person who makes us feel insignificant and like we're being too dramatic about things or that we're too full of ourselves or whatever it is and really can make you feel down about yourself. They're like this huge black hole that you walk into. And that's a little bit the way it can feel sometimes when the sun comes together with Pluto. You might have a day or two where you're feeling that you're trying to put all of this lovely, individual, creative charisma out into the world, and you feel as if it's met with dark, deafening silence for the rest of the world. So I would say The best way probably to think about the sun coming together with Pluto is that it's about respecting the power that is endowed in you and understand that it doesn't belong to you. So an example would be if you're a boss, you know, in your workplace, you have a certain amount of power because of that, but the power is not about you and it doesn't belong to you. It's a function of the position that you hold 
and the responsibility that you have to something larger than yourself. We can think of the president of the United States or prime minister of a country as fulfilling the same role. They have enormous power, but the power is not theirs. It is meant to be used to forward, you know, larger policies or ideas that are helpful to all. So basically, don't fall in love with your own power. When sun is good on Pluto, if I had to, you know, take all of that Sagittarian, Jupiterian goodness I just spewed out there and bring it down to a very concise statement. Use your power, but don't believe that you are powerful, I guess is what I'm saying. So what's the Sabian symbol for this one, Jen? 27 Capricorn, a mountain pilgrimage, which we have ah, talked about ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the inward pilgrimage, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think we have Venus-Pluto come together near that point or Venus retrograded near that point or something where the pilgrimage is within. Why do you climb a mountain? Because it's there. But I would say that within us, there is a mountain that we climb throughout our lives. And so this is more about that inward pilgrimage to do better and to be more helpful, be of more use to the world. Use your power to uplift others. Absolutely. My friend, we have gotten to the end of the show sheet. Have we done it? We've done it. We've done it a 100,000 times over and we do it with a grateful heart. Yes. Thank you all so much. And You know, thank you for listening always and to this episode of the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And we hope that you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who showed support during our September Podathon. Of course, as you know, each episode we thank some of you by name. Who do we have this time, April? We are giving a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Lex Robertson, Maria Nobre, and Hilary Stifler. Lex, Maria, and Hilary, we do appreciate you. And we thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting us with your donations. Thank you to you three. As a small independent podcast, your donations mean so much to us. Now, if you would like that solstice episode with the three-month preview that April talked about and would like to support the show in that way, please go to our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. If you donate $5 or more, we'll send you that episode. And, of course, you will also get our amusing bingo card. That's it for us this episode. Join us again bright and early in two weeks' time. And until then, keep your feet on the ground. And your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.